Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Ronverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Rowden in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Before we dive in I just want to remind you all that if you want to get early access to these episodes as well as all the episodes for all the podcasts that I work on uh, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran and sign up for my podcast here where you get early access to all the episodes but as well as episodes for my youtube channel behind the scenes of my book content all that sort of stuff so if you want to support me and support this podcast be sure to head over to patreon.com slash a healthy dose of fran now sorry i have to put that plug in i am poor so <laughs> getting into the main crux of this episode today we are continuing our timeline journey but the son of neptune section entitled the journey begins which is from pages 193 to 256. as always i've got my points to focus on so today we've got backstories characters and generally what i thought of it so let's dive in now how the session first starts is with Hazel's four chapters. So uh, let's dive into Hazel's overview and of course because it's four chapters there's a lot of stuff so brace yourselves, strap in, let's get into Hazel's chapters. Hazel hates boats and hates the memories that, br- that they bring with them. Memories that very quickly sent her spiraling into a blackout. That was a really hard word to say. Spiraling into a blackout. She's back in the time when she and her mum were in Alaska, where during the day, her mum worked odd jobs to to get paid, and by night was overtaken by The Voice, who would force Hazel to work. For six months, this went on. Hazel was tortured by the voice who pushed her to the breaking point each night to get her work done and was then tortured by the locals during the day. Summer became her happier times as the longer they had the sun, the longer she was free from the voice and the longer she got to stay away from home. One day she finds a horse in the hills that keeps her chasing after him until late. It was almost like he was intentionally doing it. Returning back, she finds her home trashed and a note warning her to come to the mountain or face the consequences. As she heads out on the boat, a raven comes to warn her that this will be the last night. When she arrives, her mum has returned to her normal self and apologises for everything that has happened and the horror that has been created. In a desperate final act, Hazel defies Gaia and destroys the cavern, the monster and Gaia all in one move, killing them all. Back in the present, the trio have stopped on a nearby island for Hazel to wake up on and while there, 
she opens up to Frank about where she came from, only to find out he'd already figured it out and promised she would never end up back in the underworld. Frank was just about to open up about his own story when Hazel is kidnapped by Weetabix and friends, who intend to take her to the nearby giant polyboats to appease Gaia. With Frank and Percy coming to the rescue after Hazel signals to them, they destroy the Kapoi, as they're called, and find the monster army heading for camp, which Percy notes, Rain and you was happening. Horrified and with night incoming, they head towards a nearby shop that houses a goddess in the hopes that she may offer them some much-needed help. Oh, that's a, that's a chock-a-block of information for these four chapters. Um, and yeah, honestly, there is a lot that's been happening here, which also you can tell us why I have the backstory section for, um, for this episode, because we get a lot more to do with Hazel's story. And um, I have a lot of thoughts on Hazel. I have a lot of thoughts on Hazel's backstory, which I'll be getting into a little bit more later on with the backstory situation. But firstly, I'm going to cover a little bit here anyway. (laughs) But in general, in relation to Hazel as a character, I'm really not a fan of how kind of passive she's written in the story. And it was this one particular thing that I think I talked about when Megan was on the podcast with me for the first episode, um, is... The, the amount of racial abuse that Hazel has faced in her lifetime, both by her own peers, but also when she's up in Alaska by, you know, the white people in Alaska who uh, say so she's a witch's child, they abuse her, they throw rocks and sticks at her and the adults are even worse. That, that was just the kids and the adults are even worse. And yet she says she doesn't blame them for it. And I don't get that i don't get that like why she's literally done nothing to deserve any of this and i just i don't understand why she lets it slide again because this isn't the first time this has happened and she just kind of it's like she well admittedly from the whole situation with her mum maybe she believes that she deserves it but i don't know it's just it's always read as really weird to me how much she lets people get away with treating her like shit and it's one thing that i really hate about rick's writing of hazel is how just how passive she is considering that there are moments with her where that is just not remotely the case and it just that's that's not common enough for me to be that engaged with her character which is annoying because she's such a powerful character and yet (laughs) I like I like that she's sweet. I love that she's kind. That's good things to have. But she shouldn't be letting people treat her like shit. Because it's continuing again. Like, um, Octavian is doing the same thing. She's not opening up to people because she's afraid of the situation. Like, there's just a lot of stuff about her that's kind of passive, which frustrates me because there's so much to her. And I'll get into this in the section to do with her character because there's things about her that are so different to how she's being presented that I'm just like, I want more of this. This is more of what I want. And I'm just annoyed that we don't get that and instead we do get this predominantly passive character. And mm, uh, I have thoughts, I'll continue later. Um, the <laughs> Continuing with things I'm not the biggest fan of of what happened in this chapter um, is that the continuation of the hate towards Hazel's mum Marie 
I don't know how comfortable I am with this because she was tricked by Pluto. A rich white man came into her life, supported her, loved her, said she was beautiful, said she was amazing, and then left her with this shit of a mess. And she gets angry because of it, because not only did he not tell her the consequences of what her wish meant, he just says, oh, you know, the selfishest and that's the thing I help it's like oh it's such a selfish wish to ask for this woman is poor she's living in a segregated America where she is treated like shit on a regular she's dirt poor she has nothing to her name nothing to support her except for this god who's just decided to give her the time of day for a moment that's not a selfish thing to ask yes maybe the part of like all the riches in the world okay a bit a bit but even so, she has nothing. That's and she's cursed for it. Not even she's cursed for it. Her kid is cursed for it. And yet, the the narrative is presenting Marie as the bad guy, when Pluto did not lay out what that would mean. Pluto gave her this protection and this happiness, only to then disappear the moment the child is born. And only comes back into her life when he realises, oh, this may get me in trouble. Like, he's not actually returned before they're heading off to Alaska. He's not returned because he's worried about them. In a sense, he's basically returning because problems are occurring for him. And he doesn't want them to be done for it. Well, he doesn't want to be done for it because they're contributing to the problem, quote-unquote. I don't know, I just, I hate that Marie is being blamed for something, for for basically everything that happened. Like, yes, she was awful to Hazel, that's shitty. But Pluto isn't blameless. Like, everything that he did resulted in everything that's happened. He didn't support her or Hazel throughout the entirety of Hazel's life until it started to fall back on him. Like, he didn't come to her when Gaia had started to take control or had started to get into her mind. Hazel saw him once in her whole life. Hell, the man doesn't even come to see Hazel when she is trapped in the underworld, which is even more worse because (laughs) where she ends up is Hades' back garden, basically. Because that's where the trio, when they go to the underworld in The Lightning Thief, that's what they walk through, is like this, what's it called, the... Apostle or something like that, I can't remember what it is, but the place where like everyone just kind of ends up numb, no identity, nothing, and that's where Hazel is, but because she's a demigod, she remembers everything. Like, but it's the back garden, like, he could have come to see her. Nico finds her very easily, but her own father leaves her there for how many decades? Five decades? So the 40s, we're in like 2011 time. So, uh, oh no, that's seven decades. He left her for seven decades, experiencing every moment of despair with complete knowledge of who she was. I mean, this guy's a dickhead. Um, like, I, I, he even lets Marie suffer for something that he caused her because he won't take responsibility. But then also the thing that, okay, so the reason why I brought it up is that I'm frustrated that Hazel was doing the same thing. She isn't seeing Pluto as the bad guy either. It's everything is just being laid at her mum's feet because the external, even though the external forces are what forced her hand in down this darker path. Now, admittedly, and I'll get into this later, Hazel was not fully aware 
of these external forces. All she's seeing is what happened to her. And yes, what happened to her is fucking awful. Her mum should have treated her so much better than she did. There is no denying that. But we do still have to look at the actual situation at hand as well, which I feel is something this book is missing. So she has this sort of moment of forgiveness a little bit before they die. But it's something I feel the book needed to address more. Because firstly, Hazel should be in therapy. All the kids should be in therapy. But this is something that should be addressed. And I'll talk about this a little bit more in detail when I get to the backstory section. Because the other thing I want to talk about um, is, once more, I hate, hate, hate that the gods choose sides in human wars storyline. Because what the fuck is this idea? Like, choosing... <laughs> specifically considering this is during obviously the whole Nazi situation. How, why would you be choosing sides in a war where one of them is committing genocide and the other is trying to stop them committing genocide. Like, admittedly, obviously the America's Japanese internment camps as well. Like, all, like there are dodgy things happening on both sides. But, like, one of them is literally genocide. Why, why have the storyline of the gods choosing sides? Because one of them, and we know which one, because death is always connected to bad people. Um even though literally Hades' entire thing is, hey, I would rather people stop dying in an alarming rate because the underworld is overrun as is. So he was least likely to join, you know, the Nazis. But anyway... God. And that was just... It was probably some of the stupidest writing choices from Rick ever. And I desperately hope they do not put it in the show. Literally, a way to change it very easily is just have it be that the gods refuse to get involved or let their kids be involved in human conflict because they see human conflict as beneath them and as something they have no interest in being involved with because they remember what was happening in the past, there's no point doing it now. But this causes a level of resentment in the demigods who think that they should be able to help because they have the capabilities to. And so the pact comes about because specifically, you know, the trio kids get involved in causing problems. And even though they maybe in this case help the war effort, but they've broken the rules. They've basically shown their skills and capabilities. And that's a problem because it's exposing the whole demigod situation, which isn't good. And so the the main three uh create the pact of like hey we can't have any more of our kids because they're too powerful they don't listen to what we say blah 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 like there is a way to do this than having Hades end up being the person who supported the Nazis because oh my god it's actually sickening I just I hate it so much I hate it so much um into something slightly more positive uh Hazel was probably the most powerful demigod um out there because not only did she single-handedly raise a giant to the surface, she also single-handedly took him and Gaia out of commission for seven decades. Alone. She did all of this alone. This is girl boss behaviour, and I'm here for it, and no one, no one respects the level of power Hazel has. I made a video about this on my YouTube channel ages ago and no one agreed except maybe two comments. Most people were arguing back just like, oh but she died. She still took out a giant on her own. 
the, the whole thing of like you can't kill a giant unless there is a god helping you she didn't have no god she was in alaska she had no god helping her it's impressive in and of itself that she not only put Gaia back to sleep but also took out a giant a giant that she was also raising by herself that's impressive respect it put the respect on her name and recognize she is one of the most powerful maybe not the most but she's definitely in the top three and anyone who denies it is dumb going on to the next section Frank's chapters now, we're just going to go into the overview for this, because this is also quite a big one, but not as big as Hazel, because Frank seems to get a lot of these shorter chapters. Um, I've already mentioned to you guys that he has, like, the least amount of chapters of the seven, by a huge amount. Um, but also his chapters seem to be the shortest, like, I swear they're the shortest. Um, and it's just going by the fact that, like, <laughs> uh, there are so many more bullet points for Hazel's section than there are for Frank so you know I, I ended up having to shorten things a lot more to, to make it look like he had more bullet points and I feel bad but anyway sorry let's just go into Frank's overview I'm talking too much <clears throat> let's go making their way towards the shop they run into some immediate trouble when three basilisk snakes are immediately on their tail with speed and panic they make their way into the shop but in his attempt to hold the monsters off Frank loses his bow to poison. While in the shop, Percy starts to not look great, his mind almost fracturing. But thankfully, the owner is on hand to help in the form of the goddess Iris, deliverer of messages. Iris takes them to the back and her assistant Fleecy, a cloud nymph, help out Percy and Hazel, while Iris takes Frank aside. The goddess knows a lot about Frank, including his stick problem even noting that she foresees that one day that stick will burn up and it'll be in his hands when it does. Something that's not great for Frank to hear. Iris lays out to him that he has many choices of what happens next. He may resent being a son of Mars, think it was a mistake, but he can't change that. What he can change is what he does next. Does he continue the quest and let his past and parentage dictate to what he does? Or does he choose to go down his own path? Frank, the loyal and good guy he is, says that isn't an option and he could never abandon his friends. It's his duty to fulfil this quest, which, though disappointed, Iris accepts. To continue the quest, he needs to find Phineas in Portland. But to get there, he needs to destroy the basilics outside and he'll have to use his dad's gift to do that. Going out thinking he's going to die... Frank nearly does, until the end of his sphere snaps off and a zombie is created, who, on order, destroys the basilisks for him. Frank now only has two more chances to use this zombie, per his dad's words. Percy and Hazel rush out to find him having defeated the snakes, and after their initial shock, he informs them that it's time they head to Portland. Da 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 da! I have so I can't remember where they are. I don't. I think they're not far from. I think they're still technically in San Francisco. I think, but how far is Portland from San Francisco? I feel like I need to look this up because San Francisco to Portland because they travel quite a distance. Oh, that's a fucking long distance. That's a long distance. 
It's not. It's nearly ten hours in a car to get from port to get to Portland from San Francisco. Jesus. Um, obviously, they're not walking, but <laughs> oh god, it's two hundred fourteen hours if you were to walk it. Uh, it is. That's a lot. Seventeen hours if you go by train. Blimey. And fifty-eight hours if you go by bike. Sorry, I was just intrigued to see what the other ones. Um, I don't know if it like by boat. How long would that be? Three hours. It is the quickest way. It's seventy-six dollars, and it's the quickest way uh, to get there. Um, cool. Oh, so that makes sense. So it's not actually that long when they're going by boat. That's all right. I was just wondering because, like, obviously the US is fucking huge. Um, and <laughs> I was like, they seem to travel a lot and get places that seem so much further away in like considering they've got such a small deadline of like four days you travel a lot and get there quite quickly oh my god i'm just thinking that nine hours to portland i'd get to scotland in that time i would literally be in scotland if i was driving for nine hours i'd be in scotland that's a different country (laughs) you're just getting to a different state uh, that's actually physically painful to think about. Anyway, sorry. Um, let's go into the feedback section uh, for Frank before we head into the subject specific. <sighs> There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to say. Because uh, there is one specific line that immediately jumped out at me in this section, um, which is Frank's concern that he's going to turn into a muscle-bound freak. And it's like something he's super worried about. And the fact that Rick actually does this later causes me physical pain to think about that he literally has frank talk about how like he's already quite muscular like he's like um was a good he's like a a rugby player that's the only way i can think of describing it which would be like an american football player like he's like i think those are linebackers the ones who are like the defensive ones like he's he's a bulky guy quite a bit of his muscle but he's bulky like he's he's got the chub but it is the it's chub muscle um which is the kind of muscle i sometimes have <laughs> um and i don't know i just it makes me really mad that this is the thing that he didn't want to be this like freakishly muscular guy um and yet this is exactly what rick turns him into later anyway um as i mentioned previously to the whole hazel situation i'm really not a fan of both frank and hazel being characters who both have so little self-confidence consistent self-deprecation and are also both so incredibly passive in their stories as well like it's unnecessary and honestly after a while it gets super boring and kind of annoying i like the concept of frank and hazel but Rick does not seem to like the concept of Frank and Hazel because he does nothing with them. Literally nothing with them. And it makes me so mad. <sighs> Add in, actually. This is another thing. So th- this is this is what I was meaning in terms of the fact that Rick does not utilise these characters. Frank not being into being the son of a war god because of his mum's death in a war is such a good way for him to be conflicted about his parentage does rick lean into it no or at least so far i mean i can't remember if he does it later on but so far he has not led into it whatsoever and it makes me so mad 
like the the execution of it in so far is not it I want them to have lent into this frustration of him being connected to war through his but through both of his parents but also kind of his dad almost being the reason why his mum stayed in the war a little bit like I think he has this comment in his earlier chapters of like his mum kept going back seemingly with the hopes of seeing his dad again and so maybe like that would be something to lean into the blame of Mars being the responsible for his mum's death lean into it because the thing that killed his mum is the thing that his dad is the embodiment of um maybe even the the anger of Mars saying that she was a great warrior because if that was true she'd still be alive like just lean into it lean into it so much more because it's it's so far again I say I because I can't remember so far that is not what has happened and it's very frustrating that that's the situation like just make it less about the boohoo people will hate me now because I'm connected to war which also makes no sense because new Rome like the whole thing is like the Roman Empire really really respected Ares oh not Ares sorry really really respected Mars like he was one of their main patron gods like him and Jupiter were like the main ones for them so if anything Frank should be being a hell of a lot more respected at camp because of his connection to Mars and I know obviously it's specifically to do with like Hazel and Percy but if anything that should work with Hazel at least because Hazel was a Roman she would know that Mars is a truly respected god like if anything that should make her admire him more just the reason just makes no sense to me um just just have the situation of him being upset about being a son of mars be more personal i think that's the situation here i just i want things to be more personal so far we're just kind of not really getting that especially with frank basically nearly entirely with frank which kind of sucks because there is a lot of potential there but going now into the subject areas and starting with backstories which obviously is mainly going to be about hazel um first thing i want to correct i think i said it either on someone else i think i may have said it on either return to camp or maybe i did say it here um so hazel would definitely not have been closer to 15 i thought she'd been in alaska for like nearly a year um but i was wrong but she definitely should be 14 right now because she came out of the underworld before december and her birthday is in december meaning she should have turned 14 already um but yeah, so I just want to just point it out because I'm still very mad about it. She should be 14, which, as Megan pointed out in the first episode, makes the fact that she isn't questionable because Rick thought it was okay to have a recently turned 16-year-old with a 13-year-old. Anyway, getting into the main situation here. Hazel's trauma. <laughs> we're, we're talking about trauma. Um, Hazel's one, like trauma is so deep that I'm kind of annoyed it's never addressed properly in the present like I say this a lot but these kids need therapy especially Hazel if in my opinion like not only is she displaced but she experienced a segregated America as a young black girl experienced trauma at the hands of both her mother and also Gaia where she was tortured daily to bring alive a terrible monstrous being and yet it is never properly addressed both like her resentment towards her mother but also everything that's happened to her it's never properly addressed and it's kind of annoying 
But what I want to talk about in reference to that is that I've been watching this show recently called Good Trouble, which is a spin-off of the show The Fosters. It has some issues, but I'm quite enjoying it. But there is a specific character called Malika who reminds me a lot in concept of Hazel, specifically due to the relationship with her mother. Um, the only difference is that, uh, unfortunately, Hazel doesn't have the level of confidence that I wish she could have, uh, which Malika specifically does. Um, anyway... Malika resents her mother a lot for getting into addiction and not supporting her and her brother as kids and she blamed her mum for a lot of it. What she came to later realise was that she'd never taken into you know, consideration the circumstances of what had happened to her mum to get her to where she was. Her dad had ended up in prison and he was in a sense the breadwinner. He was the one who was bringing the finances into the home. And because her mum was now raising two kids under the age of 10 alone and with no family to support them, that meant she couldn't get to work easily, which meant she then couldn't make money to support them, which then meant she became depressed and fell down some bad paths and was seemingly taken advantage of in some ways. Seeing this side of her mother and kind of getting to understand by seeing the full picture helped her to know that she, in a sense she kind of gotten something wrong by blaming solely her mother for everything that happened and she ended up having a lot of regret for not forgiving her mum before she died or at least not properly forgiving her mum she'd forgiven her mum for some things but she never really understood why her mum had said that she'd forgiven her so what Malika had done is she'd she'd called child services on her mother hoping to that it would either wake her up a little bit or that her and her brother would get into a better situation and her mum said you know I forgive you for doing that for taking my kids away and she didn't ever really understand why that was happening and now she kind of does to an extent and I think this is like basically just her Malika's relationship with her mum is something I wish had happened with Hazel where she like obviously she has this sort of forgiveness towards her mum in the scene in their final moments but she doesn't really take a chance to look at the circumstances of what happened from this new perspective of her being in the future being able to look back and gaining the context of everything like I think it would just been a perfect thing for for her to do to learn grow and move on from the terrible things that happened as well as fully understanding what happened to her mum because I think understanding where a person was coming from and how someone can go down such a terrible path helps you obviously it doesn't obviously lead to you know forgetting everything that her mum put her through but I think it would just give her a new perspective on things and I think that's what's important and it's something I really do wish because like this is the situation is I'd rather we'd had this of her coming to understand what was going on with her mum coming to and growing into her own person because of it in relation to her past rather than this stupid Sammy and Leo plotline focus on Hazel as a character and not a fucking love triangle I mean just this development like a family relationship because we don't other than Sally and Percy we have no positive family relationships none Hazel and her mum, although obviously her mum has passed away, I think her seeing things from her mum's perspective would have led to a different understanding of that relationship. And even maybe have her speaking to and addressing her dad, being like, 
look, this is all the stuff that you put my mum through. I think she deserves another chance instead of being trapped in a place where she has no memory of who she was. And, and like, like, speak up for her in a sense, basically. I don't know, I just... I wanted that instead of the stupid stuff that we got later on instead. Um, I don't know if any of that I've said has made sense, but hopefully it does to a degree. Um, but that's basically all I had for the backstory section. There's just like, I wish there was a bit more to it because her backstory is so fascinating, but I feel like it just barely scratches the surface of what could have been explored. Um, and but going in now to characters and obviously I want to talk about Hazel and Frank but I'm going to start with Hazel because like Hazel was like this is what I was saying earlier uh Frank barely has anything in this series um so Hazel has a lot more to talk about but let's dive into it anyway um the thing that always makes me a little bit sad about Hazel and this is what I was talking a little bit earlier about is that she's presented as such a quiet and almost meek character when everything she's experienced in life I feel like she should be the opposite almost like this girl swore a nun told Gaia to do one basically and then single-handedly took down Gaia and a giant at age 13 all of this should have not only given her a little bit more confidence and the ability to stand up for herself against bullies like Octavian but in other things like she let racists attack her and think they were justified in what they were doing like she blushes over the insinuations of romantic situations or kissing i mean it's just the whole thing is so cringe on so many levels that it just it kind of makes her character almost joke-like like i just i'm really not a fan of her being presented as as this meek sort of character because there are so many things like that reference to the nun washing her mouth out with soap for saying shit i mean like things like that that's that's the hazel i want to see more of not this character who kind of like you know stands a little bit more in the background like she has her moments definitely like when she was speaking to the carpoy and like talking shit and trying to get their information out of them all this sort of stuff very cool moments but those end up being quite rare and like they're not a recurring thing for her and that i kind of wish they were a little bit i like her still like i like these girly moments of kind of like getting a little bit flustered with like cute situations with like percy and annabeth etc but have that and her be this really cool confident person like obviously build into the confidence because she still has this anxiety of ending up back in the underworld but actually give her a character i don't know if that any of that makes sense but like she could still be quieter and someone who's not really into confrontation without reducing her to i don't know if this is the right word but sort of reducing her to an almost placid character like i feel like she's just she ends up being very one note and it's disappointing because, like, and I say this so much for Heroes of Olympus, there is potential, but this potential is not explored. And speaking of not explored potential, Frank, I will say again that he needs to lean into leadership more. His test from Iris should have ended with him saying, I was given this responsibility to get us to Alaska. 
I have to follow it through to show that he takes his role seriously. Like he doesn't believe that he can be a leader, but that should be what his entire thing is moving towards is him slowly believing it and taking up this mantle. And maybe occasionally kind of getting, you know, cold feet about it and like letting Percy take the reins, etc. But he shouldn't ever just be like negative. Like he is like a negative Nancy almost consistently. Like just we we need to pull back on the I'm sad because dad is a warrior dickhead which doesn't like it doesn't make any sense to me like (laughs) I get why he's upset but the writing currently doesn't really show me why he's like that doesn't show me a reasonable explanation for why he's upset like I was saying before if they'd made it about the fact that he's mad that he's connected to a war god when his mum died in a war fair enough work into that more but that's not the situation. Currently, the commentary is how he believes he only got the mural crown because his dad bullied Rainer into it. When the literal reason why a mural crown is given out is for whoever gets over the wall first. Who got over the wall first? That would be fucking Frank. So there's literally no reason for him to have not believed he deserved the crown in the first place because it was literally the requirement to win and he meets that requirement so he won it fair and square nothing to do with his dad stop the self-deprecation it's not interesting it's irritating and it's wrong like it's in canon wrong (laughs) his reasoning i just i don't understand i'm so upset (laughs) it's so frustrating (sighs) anyway that's uh as you can tell i'm I used to say Son of Neptune was one of these stronger books. I think I'm a liar because I'm having a lot of issues. I'm having a lot of issues and it's very upsetting. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've got anything else to say, but let's dive into the question of the episode, which of course you can all answer on the social medias tomorrow, which is do you agree that Hazel can be considered one of the most powerful demigods? Um, be kind on that comment section. Also, check out the video on my YouTube channel if you want to, where I dive into this a little bit more. Um, and yeah, thank you all for joining me for this week's section. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Ironverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, just me to you all next time. Bye.